You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Randy Spate. Hey, thank you. It's great to see everybody today. How are y'all doing? My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. We've been working our way through 1 John, and uh, we're going to continue today finishing up the fourth chapter of 1 John. Now, in April of 1961, April the 12th of 1961, Yuri Gagarin, became the first human to enter space. He was a Russian cosmonaut, and he made one orbit around the Earth, and he came back to land. I actually remember that. Now, he was quoted shortly after he landed. He was quoted as saying, I looked and I looked, but I didn't see any God up there. You remember that? I do. Uh, it was a, the height of the Cold War that was used as a statement from communist Russia against the Christian West that God didn't exist. There's a problem with that, though. The Russian Space Agency kept very, very careful records of all communication between the Vostok spacecraft and the ground crew. And that phrase does not occur in the transcript. In fact, Yuri Gagarin was a devout Christian. He was a member of the Russian Orthodox Church. And just two weeks before the flight, he baptized his oldest daughter. So where in the world did that saying come from? Well, the first time that we have it recorded is actually in a speech by Nikita Khrushchev to the Central Committee of the Communist Party just a few months after the flight. Interesting, interesting. Apparently, Gagarin never said that. But you know, it does raise a question. Where do we get our ideas about God? And what do we believe about God? Well, the Pew Research Center did a study in 2017, just five years ago. They brought together 5,000 people and they interviewed them about their beliefs about God. Here's what they found. 56% of Americans believe in God. 56%, that's slightly over half. Slightly under half don't believe in God. Now that number is way down from even just three decades ago. 33% of Americans believe in some form of a higher power, 
but slightly over 10% don't believe in any spiritual force at all. Now, looking at the, at the Americans who do believe in God, 77% of them believe that God loves us. Now, that's just a little bit over three out of four. One in four don't believe God loves us or cares about us at all. 71% believe that God is all-knowing. 61% believe that God is all-powerful. And only 61% believe that God will judge us. Or in other words, that our actions, what we do on a day-to-day basis, has any meaning at all for God or should hold any meaning at all for us. They continued. They found that 77% of Americans speak to God. Or in other words, they pray. 77% of those who believe in God pray. But only 28% listen to God. Now, where in the world does that reality come from? Well, John answers that question for us in today's passage. In today's passage from 1 John 4, the 7th verse to the 21st verse, just 14 verses, John talks about where we get our understanding of God. In that passage, he'll tell us that the world doesn't know God. But he uses God or refers to God 35 times in the passage, roughly three times every verse. And he speaks about love 29 times over twice per verse. So you get an idea of what it is that John's going to be talking about. The passage starts at the very beginning. So let's take a look here. Verses 7 and 8. John says, dear friends, let's continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. That phrase is so important for John that he repeats it later on in the passage. God's very nature is love. John continues on. He says that God acts from his nature. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. John says that God loved us. His nature is love. So he acted according to his nature, and he loved us. And when he loved us, what he found himself 
having to do was to send his son to die for us. So Jesus came to die for us. Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin. Some of your translations might say a propitiation. That's a $10 word for the very simple idea that Jesus gave his blood to atone for our sin. So that today when God looks at us, instead of seeing our sin, he sees Jesus' sacrifice. John now begins to talk about us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Now maybe a little bit like uh, Nikita Khrushchev. Uh, what John is saying here is that people look around. They don't see God physically. He is no longer here. So most of the world lives not seeing God, not knowing God. But the problem is they don't look for God. If they looked, they might be surprised by what they find. John goes on to say that in the midst of a world that can't see God physically, they can see us. And if we show God's love, God's love to each other and God's love to them, they have a chance to see God through us. Showing God's love is a tangible way to show God to a world that's blind to God. John moves back to talk about God. Verse 13, God's given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we've put our trust in his love. Now, if you'll notice in this passage, John talks about all three persons of the Trinity. First of all, he says that we need to confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? It means more than just saying the magic words. Christianity is not about saying Jesus is God. It's about declaring it. It's about living it. It's about understanding it, accepting it. It's about living in such a way that we show by our obedience to what Jesus has said, that we follow him. That's what it means to declare that Jesus is the Son of God. When we do that, God remains in us. 
if we declare that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in us, and we live in God. There's a relationship that forms there. And then God sends his Spirit to us. All three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are involved in our salvation. All three persons of the Trinity are ours when we embrace the fact that Jesus is God and yield to obey his commands to us. John goes on. And in what he says next, it's some of the more difficult of this passage. John starts out, 16b, God is love. You remember I said when we started, John said God is love, and that was so important to him that he repeated it later. Now is later. John says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we won't be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Wow. That's a heavy passage, isn't it? But I think we can reduce it to three relatively simple statements. First of all, God's love does not remove God's judgment. As a parent raising a child, we tell our children actions have consequences. And we even punish our children. Not because we don't love them, we punish them because we do love them. So it is with God's love. With God's love, it doesn't remove his judgment. He will hold us accountable for what we do in this life. What we do on a day-to-day -day basis is important. It's important to God. It's important to us. Second statement. When we live in God's love, his love grows within us. Right in the middle of the passage, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You know what that's saying? That's saying that as we love others, as we love our brothers, as we love those outside the church, love grows. We improve in love. We understand more. We are more loving we become better people because we show that love. Third statement, that when we remain in God, 
we are free from the fear of judgment. We'll have confidence. Now, we have confidence for two reasons. First of all, because as we declare that Jesus is the Son of God, he forgives our sin so that when God looks at us, instead of seeing our sin, he sees Jesus' sacrifice. But two, when we live in God, we become better people. We are doing things that God wants us to do when we understand what sin is, we try to move away from that sin. So those three statements again, God's love doesn't remove God's judgment. Secondly, when we live in God's love, his love will grow within us. And third, when we remain in God, we have freedom from the fear of judgment. Now let's move on in the passage. Verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. Someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. That person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he's given us this command, the command to love, to love him, to love each other. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. What John is saying is that our love for God brings us to love each other. We love God and we see that God loves everyone else, so we need to. That's fairly simple. If we don't love others, it's a sign that we have not truly learned to love God. Now, what's this passage saying? It's a long passage. It's easy to get lost in the passage. But you saw a couple of weeks ago that I'm kind of a graphic uh, sort of a fellow. I understand boxes and arrows and... Uh, Concepts that produce other concepts. <clears throat> Here's what I think the passage is showing us. First and foremost, the basis of everything. God's very nature is love. That's who he is. In fact, the New Testament authors, as they were translating the Old Testament into Greek and then writing new books, that we now have as the New Testament. They looked for the best word that they could find for love. They had five choices. Four of those choices had very specific meanings. But the final choice was a very generic word for love. They picked that one. Because they figured they could fill that word with a new meaning. Because God's love was totally different from any other kind of love that we ever saw. God loved us without reservation and without condition. His very nature is love. Now he showed us his love by sending us Jesus. 
The way God showed us that he loved us was by sending Jesus to die for our sins. Once he died for our sins, he sent the Holy Spirit to help us live the Christian life. As a result of God's love, when we declare that Jesus is the Son of God, then we move on to the third step. We love God in return. And once we do that, we love others because we see that God loves others. Then once we love others, those around us who are blind to God can see God's love in us. The way others can see God is by observing God's love in us. To me, that's the summary of this passage. Now, this past week, Lynn and I learned that one of our dear friends from Columbia passed away. Her name was Millie Young. Millie spent 49 years in Columbia. She went to Columbia in the 60s. She went as a missionary child teacher. She organized the school, taught the kids from K through 12. Now she went to an area that very frankly is a jungle area of Columbia. She got there, there's not much around. Uh, if they were to receive groceries, they received it on the train that went from Medellin to Cristalina, Colombia every day. And lo and behold, food arrived every day because missionaries in Medellin sent the food to them. It was kind of a, of a backwards area, not many people around, frankly, but uh, it was a place that a lot of missionaries were because we were training pastors for the Colombian church. Now, Millie went as a single lady. Very frankly, if you do missions as a single lady, nine times out of ten, you will stay single. But Millie met a young man named Vernon. And they fell in love. They got engaged, and soon they were married. They married in the chapel in Cristalina, but you know it's kind of a remote area, so the honeymoon was... Uh, they got the guest room in the big house for uh, a, a couple of nights. After the, um, after the wedding ceremony, Vernon picked Millie up in his arms and he put her in a wheelbarrow and wheeled her off to their honeymoon in the big house about 50 feet away. <laughs> they had three children after a period of time, they felt the Lord calling them to work with Colombian children. And so they began to establish schools along the river district of Colombia. Now, just for context, the Colombian government didn't establish public schools in those areas. The only education was the education that came when Vernon and Millie 
got to your village. Vernon taught how to organize a school and what to teach the children, gave them a curriculum to teach. Millie taught in the church how to lead a children's ministry in the church. And for years, the only education available on the River District were through schools that Vernon and Millie started. They lived in the city of Magangay. Magangay would flood on an annual basis, and it was a bad flood. In fact, Millie told me that people in Magangay would all have two-story houses because when the river flooded, you moved to the second story. And what used to be the balcony now became your dock. And you would tie your boat to the second story balcony because the river would raise that far. You'd go out, get in your boat, go wherever it was you're going, come back until the water subsided. Vernon was out visiting one of the schools one day. He was riding a donkey along the river. The donkey lost its footing. Vernon fell in the water first. The donkey fell on top of Vernon, knocked him unconscious, and Vernon died. He drowned in the river. At that point, Millie had three children, so the question was, what would Millie do? You know what Millie did? Millie began to work with the children of Columbia because she loved those children the way God loved those children. And that love didn't disappear when Vernon died. So she said, I'm going to stay. The field leader eventually told Millie, Millie, you can't stay in Magangay. You've got to move back to the big city. Many mean about three million people. Millie did. She began to work with Compassion International. Compassion International not only establishes schools, but they provide scholarships so children can study in those schools. The ministry expanded from just the River District to nationwide throughout Columbia. Millie ran that ministry. When her husband died, Millie stayed because she loved Colombian children the way God loved Colombian children. When Colombia became violent, Millie stayed because she loved Colombian children the way God loved Colombian children. Even after she retired at the age of 70, she returned to Colombia again and again because she loved Colombian children the way God loved Colombian children. And today, hundreds, if not thousands, of Colombians Know Jesus because they first saw God's love for them expressed through a single lady with three children that 
chose to love them. They might never have seen God with their own eyes. But they saw him in Millie Young. That's all that we're saying today. That if we want to live, love, and go like Jesus, we need to show God's love. And then, like Millie, we need to let them know this is not because I'm a great person. It's because God is a great God. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.